morning we're continuing our series called Small Story, Big Story, in which we're taking a fresh look at some of the seminal stories in our scripture library to find out how these small stories might point us to the big story of God's love for us and for all people. Maybe even finding the heart of our story in that big story as well. And so this week, uh, I was kind of thinking about my own story. I was thinking about how uh, we're preparing to welcome back college kids and to send off school kids over the next couple of weeks. And I was thinking about my own story, specifically some of the important lessons that I learned during those college years, uh, some of which I've only recognized after the fact. But those lessons that I learned, like number one, um, that school is much easier when you go to class, which... Apparently, uh, not 18-year-old me did not realize that. It took me a little while to catch on to that. Um, Learned a lot of lessons in those years, some by the School of Hard Knocks. But not all of them were academic lessons. Um, I also learned some culinary lessons, mainly about resourcefulness in those years, like how to make a feast out of only ramen and cereal and ketchup, and uh, make it somewhat edible if you're a desperate college kid. Those are the lessons that I learned. Now, on the nights when it's my responsibility to cook for our household, and Lindsay asks me what's for dinner, and I reply, oh, oh, I'll figure something out. She says, how about I text you a recipe (laughs) for that? It's probably a better idea. Still, I will will ride for resourcefulness as a life skill all, all days of the week. But the story from the scripture library that we're, that we're gathering around today, uh, that we're telling, could, could simply be told as a story of resourcefulness, of making a feast out of a few unexpected parts. But in this story, I think there's more going on. I think this story is, is one of those lessons for us that, that maybe we can learn about the big story of how God works in the world and maybe glimpse a little bit of divinity in action. The divinity is always at work by embracing and empowering each of us in our diversity and all of our unique beauty for the good of the whole human community. And this story reminds us that, that in community, when we offer what we have and what we are for each other, that in those places that there is enough, enough for all people and beyond, even if it seems sometimes like all we personally have to offer is just cereal and ketchup to the mix, that God comes in and multiplies and makes a feast. And so the story today is the story of Jesus encountering a hungry crowd of more than 5,000 and feeding them by being resourceful, right? But as we'll see, beyond the layer of the food story, there's, there's layers of rich meaning and, and history that can point us toward that big story of God at work in the world and through each one of us. So the first followers of Jesus saw these metaphors and, and meanings in this story, and they valued them so much that this is the only story, actually, of Jesus doing something transcendent, like we'll see that appears in all four of the gospel accounts, the stories of Jesus' life that we have in our scripture library. This is how much meaning that they took from this story. This was a lesson that they wanted everyone to learn. And so the the version that we're looking at comes from Luke, from this gospel story in Luke chapter 9. And it takes place as Jesus is moving through the Palestinian countryside, teaching people about the good news of God's love, and offering them a vision of what the author of Luke calls the kingdom, or the kingdom, or the community of God, the beloved community where all are welcomed, where all are loved, and all are invited to help build life and peace enough to go around. And Jesus is telling folks about it, inviting them to live in that community now. And this message was attracting a lot of attention. Uh, There's a big crowd gathering along, and it was getting big. And so we see kind of the effects of that in how this story starts. And in verse 10, it says that Jesus and the disciples withdrew privately to a city called Bethesda. Uh, They 
they, the crowds found out about it. They followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus and his friends, after all of this interaction with people, were headed out for a little, um, a little me time, a little self-care, out to a rural retreat. But the crowds had a different idea and just like followed along behind them. Kind of like when I tell my kids, uh, hey, I'm going to go have a little quiet time. And they say, great, we'll come too. <laughs> and, and we all have quiet time together, just like this far apart from each other. Let's just say Jesus was a better person than I am because Jesus welcomed them and gathered them in and taught them about this beautiful vision of the beloved community of God, this community marked by love, by love of God and love of neighbor and love of ourself, where the inner beauty of each shines and the sacred worth of all is uplifted. This community of abundant life and radical love that's enough for all. So one way to understand this vision and the character of the community of God, of 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 the model that Jesus is sharing with us, is the model prayer that Jesus taught to followers. And so we say this in English sometimes. You may have heard this before. It says, our Father who art in heaven. And then it has this line that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in those lines, I think, are the heart of this kingdom vision, this community vision of God that we would be a part of something on earth as it is in heaven, that in some way that divinity and humanity would be intertwined. And so the character of the community is found in, in when those things are cultivated and embraced. The things that God hopes and wants for all of us, the things that the deepest parts of all of us want as well. When there's peace and justice, liberation, shalom, holistic flourishing, for all people. When those things are done and cultivated and created in our world here on earth, just as it is in heaven. When the community of God is embracing those things that are, are fully and finally and freely as they were built to be. That's the big story that's at work in our midst of a God who is at work for life and love for all people and invites us to be a part of bringing it about and being a new kind of community and creating that in the places that we go. And so Jesus's invitation over and over and over again was to tell people this, this kingdom of God is here for you. It's available to you. You are invited to bring your story and let it be embraced by the big story. And when we offer ourselves for that vision, we find meaning and purpose and empowerment in who we are that is beyond our imagination. That's multiplied in this big vision of God. And so Jesus was teaching about this, and, and it was getting late, because there was a lot to say. So the disciples are starting to get a little hungry in the story. They're maybe even getting a little hangry, as we'll see. And so here's what it says. It says, the day was drawing to a close, and the twelve, that's the disciples, came to Jesus and say, send the crowd away. See, they're a little hangry. <laughs> they're like, we came to get some quiet time, and now we got all these people. And so send them to go figure it out for themselves so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countrysides to lodge and get provisions. For we came to be in a deserted place. We were looking for some alone time. So let's send some folks home. I'm sure they can find some ramen and some cereal and stuff out there somewhere. And so what do you think, Jesus? How, what do you think about this plan? And Jesus responds in this strange way. He says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> and the disciples are just like, wait, what? We don't, we just told you, like, we don't have enough. 
Like, they were obviously not raising kids, or else they would have just whipped out a bag of Cheerios from their, their bag, or at least scrounged some in their car, in the car seats, uh, because uh, I'm a parent of little ones, and Cheerios are kind of like beach sand. Um, no matter how much you clean, there's just always more in there somewhere, somehow. So they had nothing, or at least they felt like they didn't have much, according to their calculations. And so Jesus probably knows that. And so what's he doing by saying to them, you give them something to eat? I think Jesus is doing something behind the story here. I think Jesus is taking a moment, not just to tell us about the community of God, but to show us, and to show us how it works even. To show us how we're invited to live within it. He looks out at the hungry crowd, and he he sees this crowd with compassion. And he turns to those who are learning to walk in his ways, and he says, feed them something. It may not seem like you have much, but when you are and when you offer what you have and who you are, when you offer your story, when you let that intersect with the big story and you offer it to the community, multiplication happens. And Jesus will show us that. We'll get there in a little bit. But to understand uh, why this response of Jesus was so strange and why it maybe uncovered some meanings, important meanings for the disciples, it's important to, to step back a little bit into the tradition and the context of the day. And so there's this image that this story is playing with from, from the Hebrew scriptures. And there's this important Hebrew book called Ezekiel that was written about 300 years before. And it had this poem in it that talked about God uh, taking on the role of the good shepherd and protecting and caring for a flock of Hebrew people, of a crowd of hungry people, just like they were seeing. And Jesus gathering the hungry people and feeding them. This image was at the forefront of their mind. And so here's what it says in Ezekiel. And just listen to this. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will feed them with good pasture. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them with justice. And then in these words, there was this powerful, important poem with images and metaphors that were beloved by the Jewish people. But you notice in this passage, over and over, it says things like, I myself will feed them. I will feed them, voiced in the voice of God. And, and this was the vision that people heard from this story, that one day God would come down and just like feed people and just snap big divine fingers and everything would be okay, right? And folks were just waiting for that kind of a kingdom to show up and take over. But Jesus steps in and in such a very Jesus way, flips it on its head and all at once fulfills and transcends this vision and invites us to see ourselves within it. And so in this moment when everyone's waiting around for this good shepherd to feed the people, Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat. He's showing us what it looks like when God, God's self, feeds the people. Often it looks like God working through us through our human hands, inviting us into this big story, inviting us and inspiring us to be on earth like it is in heaven. Jesus shows us that we are the way that God works so often. 
and that when we are invited into the kingdom in the beloved community, it is an invitation also to help build it and bring it about. And so where Israel read, I myself will feed them and was waiting for God, we look to God and God says that I'm waiting for you as well. And it's so counterintuitive. We want folks fed now. And God is, you know, just doing it the Nike way is a much faster way to go about this. Those big snap of divine fingers are amazing things when they happen. But God just doing it is not the heart of the story. It might change the circumstance, but it will not change the systems. It might lighten the load, but it will not liberate the people. And so Jesus shows us that God has a different vision, that God didn't come to take over, that God came to transform, not to take power, but to empower. That things wouldn't just change, but that all of us would be changed in the process. That's the way of the kingdom of God. And compared to God just doing it, it's way slower (laughs) because it's way deeper and because it's the way that lasts. Transformation not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And that inside out begins with us. And that transformation is the beautiful thing about the way that God works. When we realize that we're not just party to this story, but we are a part of it. That we are part of that inside out transformation of the world. And the most transformational thing of all, that our story is invited into it. That we are invited to write the story with a God who is with us every step of the way. And in that writing, Your character, who you are, what you have, your gifts and talents and uniqueness and history and story are not incidental. They are essential in this story. God says, I will feed them, and then turns to us and says, I'm with you, and you and I are going to do it. You, as you are, with all you are, have a sacred part in this story. And so when Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat, They look around, and they look for their Cheerios and their ramen, and they pull out five loaves and two fishes. It's not much, right? It says, all we have are five loaves and two fish. Unless we're supposed to go in and buy food for all these people, there's about 5,000 men. They counted men back then. It's just, uh, I'm going to roll my eyes at culture in the Bible just there. It's funny how those things continue. Jesus says, okay, you've got five loaves, you've got two fishes. That sounds good. Um, because here's the thing about the kingdom, that Jesus isn't just passing off the work, Jesus is inviting us into the story, and when we're invited into the story, we bring our stuff, and it may not seem like much who we are and what we have to offer, but we hand our loaves and our lives and our love into the hands of God, and the algorithm of the kingdom tells us that multiplication happens multiplication of who we are in our story times the power of the God who spun the universe in orbit 14.8 billion years ago like it was nothing. The God who is at work in the world and in history, whose life and love and liberation wins, our story says. We are joining our story to the story, to the most powerful force in reality, the arc of the moral universe, to what can be and will be and must be our loaves and fishes in the hand of a God who is with us or multiplied times the power of a love that wins on earth just as it is in heaven. And so taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven and he blessed them and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples 
to set before the crowd. And I love that last little detail, that Jesus blesses the things that they bring and gives it back to them. It's theirs to offer, after all. Jesus isn't about taking our story. Jesus is about inviting our story into transformation of the world to give us more than we ever imagined. He says, now you give them something to eat, and all of a sudden they have a glimpse that maybe this is possible. And we take what we have and we offer it to God and we let our story be part of the big story. God gives it back to us made new. And so we can say with courage and with freedom, God, take my story, my occupation, my family, my studies, my, my time, my earnings, my music. Take my classroom this year and my friend relationships. Take my ramen and my ketchup, whatever I have in my pantry, and use it for your community and for your work in the world for your work of life and love and liberation of justice and reconciliation of shalom for all people. Let my students flourish. Let my coworkers flourish. Let my clients flourish. Let my family flourish as you've built them to be. Let those that my story and my lived experience can help be helped. Here's what I have. It's not much. It's simple loaves and fishes, but let them be a part of the big story. And over and over again, God takes those things that we offer, and it's like God blesses them and hands them back to us multiplied, that life happens beyond our ability. Transformation happens beyond our expectation, and we get to be a part of a multiplying story. And there is nothing more fulfilling and empowering and transforming than that. Because in that process, we truly find ourselves multiplied times the power and the love of a God who is good. That's what God does. Each of us have our gifts, right? Our unique offering, our own loaves of barley and fish, those things that we have that maybe we can't even see ourselves, but God does and says, you're invited to the big story. I'll take what you have and I'll multiply it. It may not feel like it is much, but through you intersecting with divinity, hungry people will be filled and you will be fulfilled too. Because that's what it looks like to be a part of the story. And, and this time, right now, in our world and in our generation, this is our chapter of the big story to write. This is our work to do. And as we look around, we see crowds gathered. We see ourselves as a part of that crowd. There is hunger in our world and hurt in our workplaces and hate in our community, and God turns to us and says, I'm with you, but this is your chapter of the big story to write. Let's get to work. And as we look around our world, as many of us have been doing this weekend, and we listen humbly and openly to our neighbors, we see that so much needs to be done. We see the tragic terror of El Paso. We see the brokenness of Brownsville and the borderlands. We see the changing landscape of Greenland and the Arctic ice, and we see in our communities racial inequity and gender discrimination. We see the borderland issues of families separated and kids and migrants mistreated. We see patterns of supremacy and, and violence in our world. We see loneliness and lostness in our communities and on and on. And our hearts move in compassion. And we look toward God, and when we do, 
we find that God is with us, but that God is looking to us and inviting us into the story as well. There's a story that's told of, of Mother Teresa uh, having a conversation with someone. And this person asks her, um, when you get to heaven, will you ask God why God allowed so many people to be hungry? And Mother Teresa replies, no, when I get to heaven, I think God will ask me that. And I think about that so often as I look out into the world. It's, when I, I think about that and I hear the echoes in so many places, it's like I hear God saying to all of us, you give them something to eat. And it's not divine apathy. It's not God passing the buck. It's not divine apathy. It is something so much more powerful. It is a divine invitation to take ourselves and our lives and our love and our loaves and our fishes and be a part of the great story of transformation that we might see light break forth in the darkness and flourishing break forth from dry deserts and be a part of the transformation of the world. And over and over, in all of the little ways that we offer ourselves, when we do that, we see glimpses of a God who multiplies and life that cannot be stopped. This place and the multiplication of you and the transformation that's happening in our community and beyond is part of that story. But over and over again, that story echoes in the places and we can glimpse and see a God who's at work in the world, just like it happened in this story. And so the disciples hand out the bread, and this is what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 17. Of this great crowd, it says, all ate and were filled, and what was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Leftovers, right? It was unlimited soup and breadsticks for everyone. That's it. Imagine, imagine if we saw the baskets of our world overflowing, with healing, our, our systems with transformation, our communities with holistic flourishing, simply because we offered our loaves and our lives and our love for the liberation of all, there would be nothing like that. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is available to you right now. And it seems impossible, yes, but we've seen glimpses. Because in the fabric of reality, multiplication is the algorithm of the divine kingdom on earth, just as it is in heaven. So I want to tell you about one glimpse that I've seen recently. Uh, tomorrow, a group from here in the church, in this community, will be headed to the Rio Grande Valley to work along the Texas-Mexico borderlands. Uh, they're, they're going there to care for migrants and asylum seekers in the midst of their journey, but also to support and advocate for those who are day in and day out offering their loaves and their lives and their love for this work. And one of those is an amazing woman named Myra. Um, Myra runs a program, there she is, in McAllen, Texas, called Mateo 2535, Matthew 2535, which is uh, taken from another story that invites us into this kingdom work. But the work that she's doing didn't start out as a program with a name on it. It started out as Myra giving the hungry something to eat. Asylum seekers uh, who are in the midst of their process, who've been processed and are waiting their final judgment of their asylum claim, can be released to guardians and sponsors here in the United States. 
Um, but some, they're, they're released from ICE custody with nothing. And many of them have been in detention for a long time. And they're hungry, and they're hurting, and they're headed often on weeks-long journeys across the states to meet their sponsors. And on their first night out of the camps, many of them stay at a shelter in McAllen, Texas. And a few years ago, Myra began offering what she had um, to help. She would volunteer, and she would clean the shelter and clean the restrooms, and she would talk to the people, and she would listen to them. And as she listened, she heard that many of them were, were hungry and had been hungry for a long time. And so she started ordering pizzas and bringing them into the facility, and she wasn't really allowed to do that. So she would sneak them in, and she would sneak the boxes in and feed people and then sneak the boxes out to the dumpster, just like Jesus would have done in this situation, I'm sure. So finally, uh, she came clean to the staff because, you know, eventually it just smells like pizza everywhere you go. And they said, okay, you know, you can do it, but we don't think it's going to last. And so don't get people's hopes up about this project. But little did they know what happens when God takes our loaves and our lives and our love and our pizza boxes and multiplies them in the way that God can. Multiplies them, times the power of divinity and community. People began to find out and pitch in and show up, and it went from a problem to a program, and it multiplied. You know, many nights, there's not a whole lot of folks helping. It's Myra and her daughter and a few friends. It's still loaves and fishes at the heart of things, but it is loaves and fishes in the hands of a God who multiplies goodness. And Myra has been feeding at the shelter every night for five years in this process. So what they thought might not last has lasted. And so uh, back in May, when some of our team went down to help out Myra, on that night, they fed about a thousand people with her. And sometimes I read these stories from our scripture library, and I go, 5,000 people, that's impossible. (laughs) And then I start to do the God algorithm multiplication stuff. And so think about Myra. Just say conservatively that when our team went down, they fed 1,000 people in a night. But let's just say Myra averages 100 people, 100 meals a night, and she served them for five years. By my math, that's that I'm not doing here on stage because I have it in my notes. It's 182,500 meals, 182,600 meals, because there was a leap day in those five years, too. 182,600 meals. 5,000 isn't impossible. 182,000 is impossible. But in the hands of a multiplying God, all things are possible. That is basket overflowing stuff. That's what God does. God takes our loaves and our fishes and multiplies them, times the power of divinity and community and multiplies goodness that transformation might happen in deep and real ways. What would it look like if we, in this place, offered ourselves this next year in that way, offered our own loaves and fishes, in our families, and in our communities, in our workplaces, in our country, in our world, in creation itself, in 5,000 small ways offered ourselves for each other, in 182 
thousand small ways said, God, I don't have much, but I'm here humbly to listen, to share my own story, my loaf and my love, and to take my part in this big story. And when we do, we would see God take our stories and multiply them times the big story of liberation, of beloved community with enough for all. If we did that, I think it would look like heaven on earth right now with enough for all people, even just as a glimpse. But that's the story, Open, that we are invited to and that you are invited to as well. And in that story is more than enough for us all. And so may we be people who offer our loaves and our fishes, our life and our love for the sake of all, with courage, with compassion, with creativity, with conviction, and the goodness and the love that wins. Let's pray all of this together. Gracious, loving God, thank you for your love for us and for all people. God, we look out at our world and we wonder, what can we do? God, we cannot do it all. But there are things that you call us to. And right now, as we think, God, some of us know just what they are. Uh, others of us, God, are going to need a divine elbow and a nudge. But help us, as you open those things to us, to have the courage and the creativity to step out and offer you our loaves and our lives and our love. That on Monday in the workplace, on Tuesday in our families, on Wednesday in our community, we might be people of your transformation, your reconciliation, your peace and your justice and your flourishing. God, thank you for your love and thank you for letting us be a part of your story. Amen.